Hey, 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 this is NFL Hall of Famer Ray Lewis. I'm excited to announce my new podcast, Everyday Greatness, the Ray Lewis Podcast. I'll be talking with friends, family members, old teammates, athletes, celebrities, moguls, and guess what? I'll be talking to you. Listen, this is all in the search for everyday greatness. So I'm asking you to come along with me on this ride. Download new episodes of Everyday Greatness, the Ray Lewis Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on PodcastOne.com. It's not what you have. It's what's inside of you that actually inspires greatness. It's August 13th. It's the PFF forecast. This is a great episode. We've got uh, Josh Hermsmeyer coming on. Great conversation. Um, we'll talk about a couple of things at the top, but that's the reason you want to be here. So let's rock. Because we could talk about the college football thing. It'll be old by tomorrow. So there's no reason yeah. to do that. Um, maybe the only thing to really talk about is our Cowboys forming a bubble. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, like, we have to – the NFL has done a tremendous job. It looks like. I mean, it, it, you know – Oh, looked, you're caping for the league now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I went from rooting against the league to – You can't win. It's literally yeah. impossible. But it, it looks like under – one half of 1% of tests have come back positive, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, better than any other league has done on the entry level, right. you know, and I know bubbles are better and stuff like that, but it, it does look like they've done a pretty bang up job of getting the league off the ground so far. Um, it does look like, I mean, with, for college football, that's trying to play. I mean, you have, you know, it, September 26th of the day, you mm-hmm. have a great deal of time to try to emulate what the NFL is doing. You know, yeah. if there's the will to do it. So, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm excited. Like, You're optimistic I'm, E right now. I know. I'm, I'm, tr- I'm, uh, I, I'm trying to contain myself a little bit because I know, you know. I try to, I try not to get too high, you know, because I don't yeah. want to come but crashing there's a, But, like, look, and, and we at PFF, we're excited, right, because we have fantasy football tools are available right now. Uh, I know fantasies drafts have been later this year, but you'll be prepared for that if you go. Get yourself an elite subscription. We have player props and green line coming up pretty soon mm-hmm. here. So there's just a lot of stuff that, um, you know, it, it's a, it's getting a late start. But, you know, football is about to be played. So, Well, I would – so I'm optimistic as well today coming in. I'm coming to ride night. I got a good night's sleep last night. Yeah. So I'm, I'm feeling Notice a Notice also that baseball's still playing. No one cares. <laughs> uh, we talked to – we just finished the interview with Josh, and Josh's awesome. So I'm in a good mood. But – I have not been this optimistic about NFL football happening since the quarantine have started. You ever, have you ever gotten – so you remember when you were, in, you were in school and you were writing proofs, right? Mm-hmm. I tried. I forget. <laughs> so there's yeah, like I the, remember. The Balzano wire shots theory yeah. is, like a, is like this, this extreme – All five people yeah. just hit next. Like, this is a – this is a big ass proof that mm-hmm. takes from a lot of different areas, yep. and you know you you see that on a test, and you're like, 
oh shit, like this is going to take a lot of work, and it's and it's from many disparate areas. And then you got a theorem like the mean value theorem, and you're thinking to yourself, this is a uh, this isn't a trivial problem, but it's it's well contained. The NFL feels like the mean value theorem right now. Yes, that's. I'm glad you really put it into simple terms for everyone out yeah, there. Thank you. Um, no, but but here's and I I think it's a credit to the players, honestly, and that's why I'm I'm excited about the Cowboys. The the owners could have done whatever they wanted, but it had to come down to the players making some smart decisions, mm-hmm. and that is exciting to me. I've never been more excited about the group of young quarterbacks that are leading the league, um, and I think this is really indicative of like the player empowerment era, which mm-hmm. isn't. Often it's like, oh, that means players are being greedy and wanting more money. No, no, it's about them like taking charge and and actually taking ownership yeah. of this league, which is their league. They're the reason we watch it. I don't and think so- the players' collective worldview has ever been more sharp. Mm-hmm. You know, I- and that's a that's a good thing. Speaking of sharp, we have another. We have a bit of news today that I think is under the radar, but deserves a little bit of our attention. Sean McDermott of the Buffalo Bills got a six-year mm-hmm. contract extension. I wrote an article that's going out tomorrow or Thursday about teams that gained the most points on fourth down last year. The Bills were third. The Bills have won nine games, six games, and ten games. The collective PFF war of their team was seven and a half wins, four and a half wins, and then last year's seven and a half wins. Mm-hmm. He has Josh Allen as his quarterback, which, yes, al- which, this which, is true. which will be limiting, I think, for a while. But I don't know if there's a coach that's gotten more out of less in three years than Sean McDermott. So I, this is one of those contract extensions where you're just happy for the guy because he's done a great job, and I don't think that he gets enough attention. I would agree. I'm a big Sean McDermott fan, and the main reason is that in Indianapolis, uh, we bonded over uh, taking the gym seriously. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's my that's my big win. I agree. I mean, obviously, fourth down aggressiveness is the way to my heart, as you know. Um, Building the defense from the secondary to the D line. But here's the thing that that strikes me about the Buffalo Bills and what Sean McDermott has done there. There's no bullshit. Yeah, there, there, like, there isn't. You know, and and that I think is a really cool thing um, about the the culture. They that even he's built they there. even had missteps there. And they've recovered. You know, in 20, was it 2017, they traded Sammy Watkins to the Rams. They traded Ronald Darby to the Eagles. And everybody, like, they, they were, looked like the, a team that was going to tank. And then in that season, they played Peterman over Tyrod yeah, yeah. Taylor. He throws five picks and they lose a big game to the Chargers. <laughs> That's hilarious. They still make the playoffs. They have to, because they're still a quarterback away. They, they have to trade. You know, they, they trade Cordy Glenn to the Bengals. And then they have to basically trade up to get Allen and then Tremaine Edmonds, which I think is like not tanking when you were tanking and then having to trade up and then getting a quarterback who's lim- as limited as Allen and still coming sort of out of it as a team that I think is a co-favorite for the AFC East. Even And I, and I wrote this in the, in the McDermott piece that I just filed. It's the, they've set themselves up where like the worst outcome is that Allen stinks and they can restart with a really good coach and a really mm-hmm. good defense. And the best outcome is Allen is, defies all of our predictions and is great. And like I, I'm pretty bullish on Buffalo. Maybe not for this year, but I think overall as a franchise, which I, you know, the league's just better when Buffalo's good. I would agree. Um, 
I should not. I'm searching for college football news right now because I just want, I want some want some good news. But I, I think it's going to be a lull for a while, don't you think? Yeah, and I kind of think that's what we need. Like, I think we need people to reset for a second and like, you know, not be so frazzled. But I, I'm confident that there's been in college football as well, actually, a, a player empowerment, which is good because it, those those guys stepping up and speaking like it gives a voice to um to those teams that they just haven't had before it's been you know athletic directors and commissioners it's like we don't want to hear from you anymore like let and if they're going to play in the fall the players have to be taken care of yes and 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 to to assume not would have been like like josh you know we're going to talk to josh it's like do you want to have one a season with one game or do you want to have a season with nine or ten games? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to want a season with nine or ten games, you're going to have to put, like the NFL did, a little bit of work up front. And the players are going to have to take this seriously. And we've seen on Twitter that players really want to play. And I'm t- as somebody who played and who wasn't very good, I'm, I, I had no chance to play in the <laughs> NFL. I, I was grinding out 30 snaps a game as an H, okay? If they would have told me, look, you got to stay in your dorm just to play – I would have done it, and I think a decent number of these players will. Um, but they have the protocols have to be consistent. They have to make sense. They have you can't roll your eyes at this stuff. Yeah. And I think that that you know what the NCAA has done for the conferences that are continuing to play is give themselves time. Yep. Good news is that uh, we've got a really sweet college uh, product yep. that we're going to uh, release very very soon. If you're listening to this on on a Thursday, very very soon, um, and it's going to be awesome, and it will make the college season. A little bit better. So stay tuned for that. We've got Josh Hermsmeyer. He wrote a great piece on 538 uh, looking at separation for receivers. Um, he built some, trained some models that did a really nice job of contextualizing it, looking at separation over expectation. So we're going to talk to him about that. We're going to talk to him about a few other things. Um, there may be some, some food and some beverage talk. I can't um, confirm nor deny. So here's Josh Hermsmeyer. Returning. In glory, not wearing a Jabril Peppers jersey, but nonetheless carrying the torch, uh, our good friend, Frisco Josh Hermsmeyer. Josh, what's up, buddy? Guys, uh, I'm doing good. Not as good as you guys in your swank new studio. My goodness. I tell you, you're big time in me now. I'm feeling small. I'm feeling insignificant. Um, Be gentle. It's okay. All it takes is an IPA and a real nice smoked brisket. Tweet it out, of course, and you'll feel right back on top of the world. Well, you know, I'm you know, I'm good for the tweeting at least. <laughs> I I'm so bad at reading Josh that the first time we hung out, he actually ordered an IPA, and I didn't know if it was a joke. <laughs> and I was, and he's like, "No, I actually like those." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> oh man, um, I'm excited to talk about a lot of things, but we've got to start with the article that you just wrote on 538.com if for some reason you don't know that's where you can find josh's writing um that's where you can find it and uh this is about separation but i want to ask was there a hidden agenda what was the real reason that you wanted to write about this because i don't believe that it was just some you know pure study of something interesting there was some receiver that you were trying to shame and i want to know who it was no, 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 no. I, I, I look, I actually was motivated by the, 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 the guy I framed the piece with, which was Michael Thomas. Um, I expected kind of like, I kind of believed the, the film guys. I've kind of believed that maybe he was overrated uh, and like a, a product of that system, because let's face it. Look, I mean, you have 
you know, Drew Brees, the most completions, the most passing yards, the most touchdowns in history, in NFL history, throwing to him, um, you know, accuracy for days. And then you got Sean Payton. Some people believe maybe, you know, a little overhyped as a head coach. I love him. I think he's a real one. So I was, I was ready to like give them all the credit. Right. And, uh, but you know, you know, didn't, didn't quite turn out that way. So no, there was no, there was no hidden agenda. I, I, I was playing it straight. You Why? What, what are you getting you at? What are you that? getting at here? I don't know. My initial thought, whenever I see you write an article about receivers is that it's either, you're either going to slander Julio in some backhanded around the which you kind of did. 360 way, which I want to talk about because I think you kind of did. Um, there was a lot of Jarvis Landry assassination mm. going on. And it actually leads me to my first question, which, which is using expected points added per play. And I don't like to get too into the weeds here, but I think this is a really interesting conversation because it's one thing to use it with quarterbacks you know, and, and on a per dropback basis, because it is a team stat inherently. Um, do, did you feel, how did you feel using that for receivers? Cause it, you know, I, I think you wrote basically like Jarvis Landry's short targets were not as advantageous or whatever it is for his team compared to Michael Thomas's. And my immediate reaction was, well, yeah, have you seen the teams that Jarvis Landry is playing for? <laughs> So I don't know what what were your thoughts on that in, in terms of using it in the piece, but just overall in general for talking about players specifically. Yeah, I think it's it's all caught up, like you say. Um, but it, you know, at this at, when at, in the analysis I was doing, I did my best to try and control for as many confounders as possible to try and get it to a point where we could say, you know, uh, especially for SOE separation over expected that you know. As much as we can, we're talking about what the receiver did. Um, and then in terms of the value, I'm just talking about the play itself. Like I'm not when – I'm, when I'm using EPA as a, as a measure of value, I'm not saying like give the wide receiver credit. I'm saying the team on that play when he was targeted did this. And, and unfortunately for Landry, man, I, I've, I've been a – you know, I've caped up for Landry for years and years now. And uh, I think the, the shade he gets is, is a little overdone, but – one of the major, you know, criticisms of him is that on his short area targets, he's, you know, nothing more than a running back. And I always argued, well, look, it's, it's all incremental. At least we're passing here. We're not running into the teeth of a, <laughs> of a, of, you know, uh, you know, eight man box, you know, we're at least passing and, and have the ability to stretch this into a larger play. But it, it, it appears that with Landry, your point expectation is actually lower than running the ball. And that was a little shocking to me. I don't know why I hadn't looked at that before. Um, that, that, that kind of, that kind of threw me for a loop. Do you think though, that part of the issue and you, you alluded to this is, is Landry's playing in a play where maybe he's the, the third or fourth option, you know, where the, the sort of distribution of outcomes is fatter at the tail because, you know, once you hand the ball to the running back, only so many things can happen when you drop back to pass, the space of things can ha- that can happen are, are higher. You dump it off to Landry. Yeah, that's a bad outcome. But maybe, like, I think it's one thing to intentionally get the ball to Landry and another thing to have him be a third or fourth option, right? Don't you think it? I, I think that's completely fair. Uh, but it's also the case that he was absolutely used that way in Miami. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was, he was a focal point of their offense short. It changed when he went to Cleveland. He, his short targets dropped by almost 50%. So I, I do think there was some intent behind those targets, particularly in Miami. And I, I, I suspect that he wasn't just an outlet receiver or a third read in a progression. 
maybe you guys have better data on this than me, um, but I suspect that there was a little bit of that still happening in Cleveland even. Hmm. Interesting. There's a lot of things happening in Cleveland. And if we started talking about them, we'd be here for <laughs> be here till the season I, starts. Yeah, I, I was, you know, when I looked at this article, I was just, you know, I thought that it was a really interesting, you know, when you're talking about kind of, you know, your reasoning for a lot of things. I thought it was a great example of when you're modeling something, how you have to lay bare your assumptions. When you were talking about sort of when to look at separation, it was clear that there wasn't a perfect answer. Right. I mean, because there are circumstances where, you know, I think of like Jim McMahon back in the day where he would throw, he had a terrible arm. So he'd throw when the guy was like halfway through his break, you know, Montana was a similar one, but then you have other players like Favre who would throw literally like would not anticipate would just throw and he had mm-hmm. such a rocket that it wouldn't matter. And, and so you, you know, you made, you made the choices that you made. Can you just sort of expand upon sort of one of the reasons why and, and where you could see possibly you know, it's just some issues based upon that. Yeah, there's certainly issues. And, uh, you know, I've tried to, you know, I mean, look, I I made my choices, so I believe in them. But I also want to be very open about the idea that this is just one way of looking at the problem, because there are smart people, I respect friends of mine who work for teams who looked at it the other way. And I, I just, I just made a different decision. I think it's the right one, um, as I discussed in the article. But, you know, the basic the basic pivot point is whether you decide to look at separation at the moment the quarterback makes his decision to actually target the receiver or when the ball arrives. And the problem with the target separation is that you, first of all, you punish pair, um, you know, quarterback wide receiver pairs with great chemistry, as you mm-hmm. alluded to, um, or quarterbacks who throw with great anticipation. Um, and I think that that is more egregious perhaps than the type of bias that you introduce by only looking at the catch point. And, and, and I think, um, you know, there are some receivers who do get punished for this. I don't know how much though. And I, and, and the reason why I say that is if you're a big body guy who's boxing someone out, you probably had a low separation at the target point too. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, and in fact, that, 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 that tends to be the case. So when you look at uh, the distribution of the difference between separation at the, the throw the release of the football and at the catch point it's perfectly symmetrical hmm. and that's great for statistics i mean it's just wow this is fantastic and so the question for me always when i look at these these type of measures i go well does that mean it's just completely random and that this is all regression and that this mean this peak at the mean is just everything we should look at well it turned out no maybe maybe at certain depths there is some year over year signal and so that was sort of exciting to me and then the other thing that made me think I was on the right track was when I added the identity of the quarterback to the model, it didn't help things. So hmm. I think, I think we're, what I landed on was I think this is a reasonable way, as good, as good as we have currently, to kind of, if we're going to talk about separation, we're going to talk about the receiver, I, I believe this is probably the best way. But um, by no means do I believe that it is completely free of confounders and guys like maybe um, who, who have played on bad teams with bad schemes and bad quarterbacks. Uh, I am not, I'm not out here saying that I have adjusted all that away. By any means. Yeah. You bring, you bring up something really interesting about football, which, and, and I think our, our pal chiefs and uh, Arrowhead it's a real analytics. first for Josh, by the way, <laughs> what's that? I said, he, I said it was a real first for you. You brought up something interesting about football, which, but, you know, when we look at, for example, <laughs> when we look at, at for example, something like, 
you know, the, the NGS, like, yards above expectation in the run game. Um, anytime I've looked at, you know, there's a decent number of times when I've looked at trying to adjust something for context in football, the, out, the outputting thing ends up being just unstable. It just ends up being noise. And, you know, he, you know Arrowhead Analytics, he, you know, he came out and said, he, well, he's like, isn't the whole, like, what the actual expected separation would be for a receiver in, as interesting as this thing that is the, what he does above expectation? I would say the answer is probably no, given that there is some signal in being able to generate separation above what you would expect given a bunch of, you know, the factors you put into your model. One, one thing that, that I was really curious about, and you hinted on this a little bit with the quarterback and adjusting for the quarterback, is it had been a while since I'd looked at this, but I just refreshed my, my memory on it before we talked because I was really curious. The, the accuracy of a quarterback improves the more open the guy is, interestingly, which I guess doesn't surprise me having seen anyone do anything under any sort of pressure to, to perform well, right? Um, but it got me thinking about, okay, if you have an accurate quarterback, all separations being created equal, one guy can throw like Josh Allen and you lose that separation really quickly. And another guy can throw like Drew Brees as long as it's, you know, less than 10 yards downfield and it's perfectly <laughs> on point. So if I were to, I'm going to bring this back to food eventually here. If I'm going to give you a pie and you're going to give one slice to the quarterback, and that's how much he impacts separation. How big would that slice be? Oof. Yeah, I mean, I would say I would turn this around because that's that's the hardest question to answer. Mm-hmm. I would turn this around. I would say scheme is the biggest slice of the pie, mm-hmm. like overall. Now, the way I looked at the way I structured my metric, scheme is basically taken out. Mm-hmm. But if you want to talk about how you can create separation, it's through scheme. I mean, anyone, every receiver can get more open, more separation if you scheme them correctly. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I think that, you know, for me, that's kind of the right way to view, to view this kind of thing. And, and if you can find receivers who can add separation beyond what you can scheme, guys like Devontae Adams, guys like Keenan Allen, then I think what, what you're doing is you're finding a fit between the quarterback and a receiver and, and their different traits. So like one point I made was that, if I was building a team around a guy who can't throw with anticipation and is inaccurate, but has a really good arm, someone like Josh Allen, oh. um, th- you know, then I want a guy who can get that extra separation, right? Give right. him a defined target because yeah, yeah. he, he's going to see the ball, throw the ball, right? I mean, he's just like, that guy's open, I'm gunning it, right? And so if, that, if the receiver's open and can get even more open after the release, you know, that's a better fit than the Kelvin Benjamins of the world, than the than the, I guess, the Allen Robinsons and, and the Kenny Galladay's of the world, these big big body wide receivers who box guys out. Literally everyone is a better fit for anything than Kelvin Benjamin is, unless it's, <laughs> you know, an all-you-can-eat at like McDonald's. A, and I have this question. I, I, love, I love how you turn this into a thing about scheme because I think scheme is one of the more interesting things about football and something that we have a really hard time figuring out. Mm-hmm. If you are running a football team, Josh – how do you, how would you take so let's see if three wide receivers Houston's clearly taking three wide receivers that are basically the same guy mm-hmm. um Detroit uh, two wide receivers who are basically the same guy um how how do you use this information to better to more efficiently sort of like, like it, would there be a fun way to like sort of take this and find a way where they're like the most 
or thought. So you're saying the opposite. So you're saying yeah, yeah. dictate a scheme based on what you know about the receiver. Yeah, or even just like measure this receiver simulate. Like, let's say that the let's bring this back to pie, George. Let's say that you have a pie, right? Yeah. And, and feed me. And you have the space of all wide receiver possibilities. And the the Houston, I think Cobb adds something, but their mm. their main receivers, Cobb. Yeah. Their their <laughs> their main receivers are basically all one slice of pie uh-huh. stacked on each other. Ooh. Whereas probably the best teams are filling up that entire space. Like how do you – would there be a way to take what you've done and sort of extend it and say, you know, I want one guy who's a separator in the intermediate. I want a guy who's sort of more underneath. And I want a player who can take the top off the defense in a certain way. But I think I, – I, yeah, but I think that that's what – that's how talent evaluators, I think, smart ones, do it, right? They go, well, we need a guy to fill this role. And I think that's part of the calculus, except they – don't quantify it. They, they go, mm-hmm. well, who do you, who do you like on tape that can do that? You know what I mean? Who do you know? Who's like, I mean, you, we've heard about for years and years about receivers who are, are renowned for their route running, you know, prowess and the ability to get separation. And we never had a measure for it, but the people knew. Um, um, the, and this is like a, a credit to, to the scouts, like Robbie Anderson, a guy who should be a deep separator um, just isn't. And he didn't get a lot of looks in the free agent market. And I think that that kind of speaks to this idea that like, well, look, he has one job, right? And that is to get open deep and he isn't doing it. And he's not a big body box out guy either. So this is a speed receiver, stretch X guy, and he's just not doing it. And so we're not going to pay up for him. So I think that, I think teams do it. Um, to your point about the Texans, that's a really interesting, I think that is more to do with injury but and they just want to make sure they can fill that role no matter what. Um, but I do think they lost something in the intermediate uh, with with Hopkins. But I will add, Hopkins wasn't really a separation guy either. Hmm. He's not really a big body guy. Seems to me like Uh-oh. Hopkins is a great receiver, Uh-oh. hugely you know hugely skilled. Like he, he's this was the guy, right? But 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 like I feel like he's the type of receiver that as he ages could fall off a quick so uh, cliff hmm. so quick. And I don't have any problem with the Texans. I don't recall what they got for him, but I, I don't have any problem with the idea of trading a guy like that a little early. They, yeah, what just they, the compensation was egregious, but I, I what, do What agree. they got for him was a uh, – was it was a large amount of debt that they have to pay off for well, David the, Johnson? The 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 issue with oh with, that's right that's right yeah. I had forgotten that. I mean no, that part's horrible but but, but I just mean but, in but general I, he's the type of guy. So to your point though I mean like when you looked like one of the reasonings that was given out was that he had a low A dot last year like his A dot had tr- trickled down. By the way, who gave out that reason? Was it was it Peter King or I don't remember. You're the only person I've ever heard say that. Okay, well. <laughs> Anyway, so 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 he so that that was and and you th- you think about it this and you're like well but their goal last season was clearly to get the ball out of Watson's hand more quickly mm-hmm. which means obviously shorter passes are generally the case unless you can get guys that get downfield faster right and so I wonder if they're not blaming Hopkins for something that's not his fault it, it's an it's a really interesting point and I also think of it from this standpoint which is the old Matt Stafford Calvin Johnson thing. Which is like you lock onto this guy, and so I'm going to miss, you know, guys that have separated that I should be throwing the ball to in lieu of waiting for DeAndre Hopkins, and then you know I'm 3.5 seconds against the Ravens. You've been sacked five times already, but you know in other games Deshaun Watson makes that work, and it, it's one of the reasons why I'm really curious to watch these guys play. But it brings up another point, which is something that you looked at targeted plays, 
Josh for for these, obviously. And in preparing for Kansas City, Houston, which is you know opening night, obviously, trying to think about what DeAndre Hopkins brought to that team when he wasn't targeted, and the idea of the gravity that he has when running a route, say across the field, right? And if your if your scheme is good, you're leveraging that a ton, and it makes me wonder about you know defenses scheming against separation for players they know are really good. You know, so if you're DeAndre Hopkins, you're just naturally in a worse position to generate separation because every time you run a horizontal lead across the field, the safety's coming down and then Will Fuller yeah. streaking downfield. So that like no, it's a, that that's a great point. It's a great point. And I'm and I bet that that explains a lot of Julio. I bet it explains a lot of Nuke. But at the same time, there are guys who are the focal point of their passing offense that that, that don't. That, that are able to still yeah, get open. So interesting. Who who was? But uh, he, he, the one thing I wanted to just touch on, and maybe this is too tangential, but I mean, I think the skeleton key for analytics uh, is going to be, and I don't know if we can ever reach this, but I think this is the way to think about it: is when we can either guess, know, or guess. This takes a ton of domain knowledge. What the rules, the defensive rules, were on a play, and then of course what the route progression was. From the offense, so yeah. you know nothing at all, right? Really yeah. easy stuff. But if we if we knew those things, then then we could make that determination about gravity. We could make that mm-hmm. determination about the importance of guys who weren't targeted and and the value of routes, um, maybe like Sammy Watkins that are run that, that, but, that take the top off the defense. Thank you. We could we could put it we could put a number on that stuff. I but I, but but okay. that is so far away from what we're able to do right now. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you I, guys are closer. So but that's I was just, about to say I'm. I actually think we're further along. Like, I, I don't think we're that far off. Now, from from getting exactly what you said, which is knowing the exact rules and yeah. the exact progression. Yeah, okay. But what about getting 80% of the way there? What about saying, mm-hmm. hey, we know the routes that are run on this play. We know who this play caller is. and, and We can measure how much of the field they control. We oh, can, you know, the, 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 stuff the like probability that. of targeting, the, you know, this route at this time. Like, I, I actually think that the – I w- it wouldn't be surprising to me if next year we're having this conversation and we're talking about separation over expectation with scheme included. It wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I, I always thought that that was when you were talking about this earlier, Josh, was always – that was the, the, the thing that I, I was thinking about was my only, my only thing where it's like, gosh, it would be nice if we could actually measure this better, which is the gravity of the player. Mm-hmm. But but that I mean, what's so cool is obviously we've had you on a number of times, and last year at this time, we're not even this. You know, we're so much further along. You know, just from the work you've done and, and some of the work we've done in, in understanding this, I, I I'm pretty excited to think about what what the case, you know what what our understanding of the passing game will be next year. It's, oh, I thought you were going to say pretty excited about the pie that. I don't think about look. Despite my stature, I don't look. I don't think about food as much as you do. No. Um, we're, this is one of the latest times we recorded, and I have yet to eat dinner. And so, you know, it's obviously top of mind. Um, Josh, who was the guy, the receiver that you came away maybe most surprised by how impressed you were with them just after doing this research, or maybe you were expecting it, but you were still like, "Wow, this guy is impressive." Yeah, definitely Devonte Adams, the guy is consistently amazing at after the ball is released, you know, just increasing the distance from him from the nearest <laughs> defender. I think that defined, defined open uh, routes like that should make Aaron Rodgers' job much, much easier. And I think we see that he trusts him mm-hmm. 
But my God, why aren't his numbers better? Like, <laughs> why, why isn't Rodgers just lighting the world on fire with a guy like that, that he can always rely on being really, really open? Or that his chemistry is so good with him, he, he can trust he'll be where he's supposed to be and launch the ball with that confidence um, and, and with great anticipation. So I just, I don't, I, I, he, Rogers last five years is just an absolute mystery to me. Well, and um, can especially, I, especially Devontae Adams. Can I, can I like kind of split the difference here with our friend Ben as well? Because Adams was a rookie in 14. The last year Rogers was good. Jesus. And he <laughs> had such a hard time trusting Adams to the point that he was the third receiver behind Cobb and, and, I believe it was uh, Nelson. Yeah, you would have thought he was a family member. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he watched that because I was. I li- love Aaron Rodgers, by the I, way. I was living in Wisconsin at the time, and every Packers game's on, and I have Adams on my fantasy team, and I and he had like one really brilliant game against New England, like the Thanksgiving week of fourteen, and then you never see him again until the Dallas game in the playoffs, and there was all this talk about how. Rodgers couldn't trust Adams. Mm. We we re, you know, we we wind the clock all the way to 2019, 2020. Adams is and I we joke about well, I didn't joke. I think Holiday's in his class, but obviously this data suggests it's he's a different type of player. Adams is about as good as it gets at getting open and Rodgers still doesn't trust him in the way that we think he should. Like he should be getting 200 targets. With this information with the lack of receivers they have on that team with I have a hypothesis. Do you want to hear my hypothesis? Aaron Rodgers is uh, is a man after my own heart, as evidenced by his recent interview where he talked about drinking tequila. And um, I think he likes the challenge. I think part of Aaron yeah. Rodgers is like, it can't be too easy for yeah, me. Yeah. I can't run play action 40% of the time because then people will think I'm Jimmy Garoppolo or Ryan Tannehill, and I'm not. Look, I'm I can't Aaron, dump it off. I'm Aaron fucking Rodgers. I can't dump it off of the back and get to third and six. I need third and ten. Uh, yeah, Throw I, the ball out of bounds. I mean, it, people like. uh, <laughs> People lauded what Rodgers has always done, creating great plays, right? But part of that, I think, was always – Man, I got to be able to do this with anybody. I got to be able to throw, you know, Jared Cook on the sideline or whatever it is. I wonder if that plays a part in it. Um, we had this hypothesis with Chris on our podcast Monday. Josh, I want to hear what you had to say. So, in a pandemic offseason where you have no, hardly any time to acclimate, no preseason, nothing, I made the hypothesis that players like Peyton Manning, like Tom Brady, the guys that need the practice time because they're perfectionists, might struggle out of the gate. Whereas players like Mahomes and Rodgers, who thrive on, you're, you're putting them in the same class. No, <laughs> but like if Brett Favre was playing right now or something sure, like that, okay. like you know, players who thrive on improvisation. Although Rodgers doesn't thrive anymore, he hasn't been good for five years. But players like that, are they going to be like? Is there going to be a different distribution of outcomes? I think I would buy that if if Rodgers trusted Adams, and we kind of all agree he doesn't or not as much as he should, because it's a two-part equation there. The guys, I think, that are going to really thrive are guys like Lamar, right? Hmm. I mean, if he doesn't see it, he's just going to destroy you with his leg. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I think with Mahomes, it's his receivers almost don't even matter because he's so good. Like, wow. like I remember there was a sideline conversation with Kelsey where he's like, I don't even know how you knew to throw that, right? He's like, I didn't know which way I was going to throw. <laughs> and maybe that's just luck, you know, and maybe it just – you know, he yeah. read the leverage and just he, he figured out what he was going to do before he even knew. 
Um, I don't know which of those two is the best explanation, but um, that seems to be like a real gift that Mahomes has is that he can he can figure out what his receivers are going to do before so, they even make. So up we're their scoring mind. at home here. Uh, Josh has said Sammy Watkins might matter, and then he just <laughs> said Sammy Watkins doesn't matter. So I think we're right at like a negative point five on Watkins on the mattering scale. Just, are just you actually a Sammy Watkins? No, fan? come on, come man. On, give me, give me, give me some, give me something. Josh, I texted Josh like three times during the AFC Championship game because there was the I'm Chiefs. Sorry. The Chiefs were trying to cover the spread. I'm sitting here in my 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 press box or whatever, and Watkins is out here catching. Wow. There was one ball. Yeah, there was one ball where Watkins first time for everything. Watkins like forgot about his feet and like still <laughs> caught the ball and like they like Reed challenges it and he luckily kept both feet in even though he was not paying attention. There was another ball where, where like Mahomes threw it on the correct shoulder. Watkins didn't even know, like just sticks on his shoulder pad. And then of course Sammy does get behind Logan Ryan for like an 80 yard touchdown to seal the game. And, you know, I text Josh a bunch of friendly messages about Sammy Watkins that day. But no, of course not, Josh. What do you think? I mean, you, you've also, Josh, gone from scheme is the most important thing to receivers don't matter for Patrick Mahomes. This has been a, and, and you've gotten some Devonte Adams love in here, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah, you're hitting I mean, for the side. Yeah, no, you know, receivers don't matter. I would. I want to be very clear <laughs> that in this exact situation, I thought you're I was going to get about, it through. My God. Well, so that's a great. I mean, I think we're we're kind of meandering into topics here, but we've had this discussion as well almost all off season. You know, Wilson Wilson Seahawks were the only team with a non rookie quarterback deal that were top like five or six in terms of war generated by offense, you know, per, per dollar spent, right? Cause he can take the DK Metcalfs and turn them into players. He can take the Will Disleys and turn them into players, Jacob Hollister, blah, blah, blah. In that sense, they kind of don't matter, right? Mahomes kind of seems like that guy as well. Although we have, we don't have the counterfactual cause he's always played um, with Watkins and, and Kelsey and Hardman and, you know, uh, redacted. Um, but, um, <laughs> that was a great tweet, by the way, yeah, yeah. I, you gave yourself a pat on the back and it was well-deserved because I, is I there, laughed. Is there another quarterback in the league who, and you might've brought his name up just a second ago, but is there another quarterback in the league for which that might be true? That's a good question. Um, no, not on Mahomes level. I, I mean, I think, I think again, though. If we're talking about who's going to benefit the most from a from a short season, a short preseason, it's going to be guys like Lamar. Um, it, interestingly, when I was looking at Lamar, and, and one of the things I looked at to create SOE is this notion of uh, ball flight, you know, and kind mm. of touch on intermediate and deep passes, and 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 you can see this on like when you watch Lamar play, it's very linear, right? He's just he he put, will put touch on a ball, but he is also He's also kind of throwing it at a relative velocity, a relatively same velocity, just, you know, at every, at every different uh, depth. So it, it was just an interesting finding. I don't think it's good or bad. It's just, just his game. And, uh, and I don't know how much touch is going to come into play um, early on in the season in a shortened season. I think touch is, is one of those things that I would expect to come and that chemistry would expect to come with practice. Um, so maybe, maybe the fact that he can gun it in there with accuracy will be to his benefit. Um, anyway, interesting question. I'm kind of thinking out loud because I, I wasn't prepared for it. The, the, the Jackson being faster than everybody and, and people not having game reps before week one, 
I, I'm going to be really interested to see. So you're on you're on team 16 and 0 for the Ravens. Then that's that's what I'm hearing. Look, they, they, <laughs> <laughs> here's a question though, because I, I I thought it was interesting. You know, obviously projecting a team to go 16 and 0, it's ridiculous. But if you had to pick one team that is going to go 16 and 0, would you? I mean, I'm assuming it's two obvious choices here. Would you take the Chiefs or the Ravens? I uh, oh, this is tough. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do either. Obviously, um, the the problem with the problem with Baltimore is they're bound for regression in some of the most important stats, mm-hmm. um, and that has to do with scoring. And then on top of it, the league can catch up to certain scheme things that they do, and 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 I think both of those things together. I mean, they're not going to take anyone by surprise with their scheme this coming year, and um, and Lamar is still Lamar. So they're still going to be good. But I think there are aspects of last year that just it would be insane to think will repeat. Um, so, you know, like seeing a small dip in wins and points scored and things like that, I think it is likely. Um, whereas last year, the Chiefs actually had that occur. Um, Mahomes did have regression in some of his most important stats, and they still won the Super Bowl. So, um I think that's as far as I'll go with it, just because um, I'm a big Baltimore fan. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't want to say anything more about who I think will win. I, I would say it's a coin flip between the two of them Ooh. about who is the favorite for the Super Bowl. But uh, uh, in terms of who might go undefeated, I think you gotta got to give the edge. To what, what I was going to say was if you go undefeated, that means there are three games every year where you're down and you're dead and you're out and you come back. Right. And, I mean – like I love Lamar Jackson as much as anybody, but Patrick Mahomes literally rose from the dead twice yeah. in the playoffs. And yeah. that's the piece that that's the place, Josh, where the regression I'm most interested to see is you know, they ran, I want to say, I've said the stat a million times, but it bears repeating. They had like ninety seven offensive snaps when trailing in the first half last year. Like the only team in the last five years with less than a, fewer than a hundred. So, you know, just a little bit more time playing when you are trailing in a disadvantageous situation, it's going to be fascinating because if you, like you said, if he can improve some of those, that touch component, he become a better passer. I mean, made a big jump already. And to me, that's a scheme that really does create separation, yeah. right? I mean, they're, they do such a great job. And Mark Andrews flurry is just running rough shot over the seams. Um, it's going to be fascinating. They had the 28th most war, by wide receivers a season ago hmm. and the number one war generated by tight ends fullbacks so i wonder how, how is that possible they had the, like the best receiver in the league and willie sneed though right come on <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you think know, when, when, i'm gonna take a shot here though but i mean like so when you when you see that when you see your 28th and war wide receiver you know it's obvious that what you do is you draft a second round running back right mm-hmm that's, I think that was the conclusion I immediately came to. And, and you take yeah. – so like the best part about football – the thing I love about football is it's never going to be boring because in baseball, like all the teams have the thing figured out to a certain degree. And in football, the I two – I thought we were just talking about sports here, but – The two best teams in football went running back linebacker with their first two picks in April. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. It's It's like – it's like Andy, it's, it, you're talking about Rodgers. Like it, Andy Reid's just like, look, I'm going to spot you a couple points here. I'm going to go Willie Gay Jr. and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Let's go. It is funny. Give it, himself a challenge. It is funny. Um, 
here was I have a couple more separation questions for you that are I think um, interesting and kind of quick. Okay, quarterback is being chosen at random. You have to pick a receiver for one play. Assume it's you know ten fifteen yards. He's got to get you got to you got to score a touchdown, uh, and he gets to run one route. Uh, which wide receiver are you taking? It's a great question. Um, you know, Adams is, is, is great, but I think I might take Keenan Allen. Um, hmm. uh, just again, another technician, but, but also he just, I think he's a guy who maybe even more has more technique than Devonte Adams hmm. and that he could create that needed separation in the, in the low red zone to, to get you that score. Uh, just so creatively, just, just based on his head fakes and his, you know, his off the line game. I, I think that's the guy I would take. That's a great answer. Eric, who would you take? Um, I mean, that's a really – I'll give you a second to think yeah, about it. I the mean, reason I asked it this way is that my hypothesis is depending on the quarterback you get, you'd, you'd pick different receivers. Yeah. And if it's chosen at random, you're kind of trying to hedge. Yeah. Here's, here's a guy that I've always thought was really good, and I'm glad that he shows up here in the intermediate area. Robert Woods. Your boy. I like I think Robert Woods is one of the best receivers in the game. I think he blocks well. I think he runs the ball well and reverses. And I think he gets open. The anecdote from the Rams signing him after a so mm-hmm. so time in Buffalo was that they went back and watched the tape and said he just gets open. These <laughs> EJ Manuel can't throw him the ball. You know, like I that's not that's not my choice, but I he's somebody who I think gets an honorable mention for me. I agree with you, like I I Keenan Allen is, is, is pretty good. I think historically it'd probably be Chris Carter. Ooh. Oh yeah. We can go back to, to guys that aren't playing. Yeah. You, I, hate, right you hate Jerry Rice, huh? I don't hate Jerry oh, Rice. I mean, it would be Jerry Rice for me. My God. Yes. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Every day. Notice both of those guys, we were were, about guys who were playing. Notice both of those guys were four, six guys, yeah. by the way, who could just get the freak open my my thing. I'd was, go so far as to say I might take Jerry Rice now over like half well, these look, guys. He Jerry yeah, Rice. Wow. <laughs> Jerry Rice was catching t- touchdowns in the playoffs for Seattle like ten years ago. Right. <laughs> so I if I had if you had asked me this question um, before re- reading your piece, Josh, I would have said Julio Jones. And it, here's my reasoning. Okay. My reasoning is that if i pick a random quarterback so if i get a if i get a guy that i know is going to be accurate sure i'll pick a guy that gets more separation but i pick some random guy assume he's average he has no chemistry with this guy he's throwing it up to a certain degree yeah at least give me the guy that is a better athlete than any other and it's not like he's a slouch running routes either you know yeah. um so where did where did you land after doing this research on Julio Jones who you notoriously hate um because he can't score touchdowns. Your thoughts? Well, I mean, Timo Riske, your 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 analyst, the just the tremendous and uh, my guy, brilliant Timo Riske. Yeah, he 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 has found that he actually it's actually you know statistically reasonable and defensible to say that he's not as good in the in the red zone as other receivers. So I, I mean, it perhaps it's not just variance as, as I've always contended. And that, you know, targets are, are the main determinant of how many touchdowns you're going to have in a season. Maybe he doesn't have some certain skill set that's required, some kind of understanding of how to find open areas uh, when it's really congested. I don't know. So, 
it's but it seems to be it seems to that that view of Julio seems to be borne out in the separation data as mm-hmm. well. He whether it's because he gets a lot of attention, as you guys alluded to earlier, or if he is just a freak and can do his job really well and, and run his routes really fast, but then somehow lets all that cushion get eaten up when the ball is on its way to him. I don't know. Um, it's a good question, but he would not be a guy I would take in, in the red zone. And the reason why is kind of that, this is the kind of the, the corollary to what we're talking about with Josh Allen. Like, I think, I think you want an open guy rather than a big guy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want a completion. Yep. Um, I think that's what I would lean towards no matter what my quarterback is. Contested because if you have an accurate, if you have an accurate quarterback an open guy, just then it's done deal. If you have an inaccurate quarterback, as you said, that makes him more accurate. So I yeah. think, I think, uh, I think that's what I would uh, lean towards. Yeah. yeah, open targets are really. I mean, the it guys, double, it doubles your yards per attempt. If but the guys, guy, open guys, guys contested. aren't really contested catch guys. I mean, right. Diggs last season, like he was the number one guy for two years, and last year he was like bottom of the league. You right. know, it's just a random uh, no. sort of thing. I, I, here's the thing. Have the Falcons ever gotten something that we've needed them to get ever? True. True. That that's my thing about Julio is like the impression is like, look, I need this third down. The last player I'm going to pick is a player that's wearing a Falcons uniform. So, so I was going to say that definitely the scheme that you know the scheme being important. If you know if we could go back to the Kyle Shanahan Falcons, I I would be curious. And and I was going to say, I owe Devontae Adams an apology because I went on this podcast a few weeks ago and I said, I think Kenny Galladay might be the best receiver in um, the NFC North. And uh, I would like to retract that statement um, because we can all learn. And I'm choosing to be the bigger man here because a lot of people don't like to do that. I'm going to stick with my guns here. I just am so impressed. They're different than each other. They certainly are, but but Josh has won me over, and I'm not sure that my answer wouldn't be Devontae Adams because he's had to overcome what Aaron Rodgers is doing over there. Do you, Bat, I'm just going to – can I talk about Julio for one more second? Yes. Does, jo, does our guy Matt Ryan have a noodle? Could mm. that be the reason why he – Well, wait a second. Remember the Super Bowl? Uh, I think it was the second to last drive. Yeah, mm-hmm. dude. They were trying to run out, and he caught – amazing passes they thought we thought the game was over remember yeah, yeah. like there was a third down and long but it was in the middle of the field and 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 like maybe julio is better there when there's the threat of the deep pass and hmm. and the defenders are just respecting the shit out of pardon mm-hmm. me respecting the heck you out of that it. right okay they're, they're just respecting the shit out of the deep thing and so so when the field gets compressed perhaps his game just isn't it, it's it's kind of like it's his kryptonite, it, you know, and he's much more easy to defend. I don't know. That, that's my hypothesis. But I think Julio is still amazing and elite when you're not in the red zone. Would Julio be a three-point shooter and a floater in the middle of the lane guy as opposed to a dunk guy? <laughs> wow. wow. That's you know, like you can tell that Eric's fully in the uh, I've been betting on things not called football, <laughs> and they consist of the NBA and the WNBA, you know. <laughs> um, I, I hear I hear that sharp money is is in golf right now, so maybe you should look into that. I already, I already do. Although for golf, I had Finau, I had Finau out right last week. Oh, did you? Yeah, it was uh, a rough like hour there when he got into first, and then <laughs> here's what I do with golf: is Eagle. I bet the uh, I'm I just want to bet when I watch, right? 
So I will be watching one major and I will go then bet on the next major based on how I see a guy playing in that one. So I actually did bet on Tony Finau uh, in the Masters. Um, I can't yeah. got pretty good odds on him. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. I uh, got some questions from the crowd for you, Josh. Um, yeah, these are good. Um, at GH3 says, what can I do to overcome the emptiness of Monday night football without booger? I, I share the, I share the emptiness. My soul and my heart are hurting. What are you going to do? I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss Boog. I hope he lands on his feet somewhere, man. He, we deserve to hear his thoughts. Um, I think it makes football richer when you have someone with takes like his. Um, I, I, I think, I think it just makes, I think it just makes the entire experience of watching football a lot more interesting when you have people that uh, are unafraid to, to give their thoughts and opinions, um, no, come what may. So I'm going to miss Booger and, uh, but he, he was replaced by, I think Lou, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think, you know, sweet Lou Riddick, he's, he's a bright guy. Um, um, I think he was in the running for GM jobs here and there over the course of the past few years. So he knows about team building and he's got kind of a broad perspective on things. My understanding is from people at ESPN that he's super humble and he's just hungry to learn. And so like, I think he's going to be a tremendous, um, you know, educational uh, announcer uh, in the booth and hopefully, you know, entertaining. I don't know that he'll meet Booger's level of entertainment, but I think he's going to be great. That's a high, that's a high bar. They got to, they got to balance him out because he is, you know, if you watch college football, he's serious, so serious. matter of fact, you know, very, very <laughs> professional. And not to say Booger wasn't professional, but they got to balance him out. I think with like a hot take artist, it wasn't yeah. he was drawing dicks on the on the teleprompter. <laughs> Although he, when we when we talked to him, Josh, he was very you adamant. asked him about it. Yeah. He was adamant that he did not know what he was doing. I bet you, Booger. I wasn't. Th- I wasn't there, and I'm and I'm disappointed. I but I bet. I bet Booger was 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 pretty fun to talk to. He was the best part of that whole thing, Josh. In you know, aside from you getting a picture with Booger in Miami, Florida. Which, by the way, I am praying that that our country gets it together. So we can go, we can do Tampa in 2021, yeah. dude. And um, think about this statement. I've never wanted to go to Tampa more. more <laughs> but we are we are trying to hang out with Booger, and he gives us a call at like the worst time possible, like rush hour in Miami. And so we're basically find ourselves sprinting slash power walking down you know the main drag in Miami Beach, hoping to go see Booger. We get into the you get into the hotel. And clearly all of ESPN is staying there. And we've got, you know, a camera. We've got Steve Palazzolo, you know, big, Andre the Giants there. We've got just Josh. knocking over tables. Right. Josh is inspecting hips. things like, you know, he's pulling a, a bank heist. And I'm sweating profusely. And they're like trying to kick us out. You know, like, who are you here to see? We're here to see Booger. Oh, really? Yeah, sure. And Booger comes down. And he, he, was, he was super generous, but he was not having it with my – so. You kind of did that to be funny, right? Drawn, <laughs> no, he wasn't. He wasn't having it. Um, no, no, yeah, I believe him. I believe him when he said he didn't mean to, because he, you're exactly right. He was almost like offended, like morally. Yeah. Like I wouldn't draw a dick. Yeah, you know. But, uh, but yeah, no, that was that was a fun moment. With uh, I think I went in there and I, I made a beeline to the bar and I, and I ordered a really stiff drink uh, because I was really nervous to meet my my uh, my my I don't know my foil. Like, 
So, uh, yeah, thanks for making that we, happen. We've always had, I think, very, very good times when we've met people we were a little questionable about. Like people that we've given a hard time <laughs> with on Twitter. You know, like like Duke Duke Manaweather was like very nice to us at the combine. Sure. It's like he's not, you know. Um, I, I don't know what you're talking about, though, because I am just – I get along with everybody. True, so, true. Fair. You know. Uh, Josh, by the way, I have to ask everyone this. What's your uh, current drink of choice right now? Uh, you know, I've been uh, I've been on a bourbon, bourbon kick again. Mm. Um, a buddy of mine has been cracking open some of his good bottles and sharing them with me. Uh, delicious stuff. A little bit of scotch. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, mostly just IPA as usual. I, I have to share with you this. This I just ordered. It's been 10 years since I've actually made with my own hands a fermented beverage at a winery, sold it 10 years now. And I've been dreaming of getting back into the game, but not wine, beer. And so I oh. placed, the, I placed the order for, and I mean, you know, this is, this is a good brewery. It's tiny, tiny oh. five gallon setup for everything. But like I got sanitary fittings, you know, I'm not closed, <laughs> closed loop, everything. I mean, the, the thing is great. It's all electric. Anyway, I placed the order. So I'm going to be making beer here in yes. probably four weeks. And I couldn't be more excited. Uh, I think the first one I'm going to do is a clone. I don't know if you guys have ever had Treehouse's uh, mm-hmm. Orange Julius, uh, I think is what they call it. Yes. The Julius clone, Julius IPA. Uh, so I'm going to make a clone of that. So I'm really excited. I am not a big beer drinker, but I trust you so implicitly on these types of things that I will drink uh, beer if you send so it to me. Uh, carry the two. Okay. Four weeks from now is basically opening night. Josh, can you – promise to raise a glass of this when my Kansas City Chiefs host <laughs> the Houston Texans on Thursday when we all sort of breathe us hopefully breathe a sigh of relief you better knock on wood brother <laughs> Jesus um it's like people ask me is there going to be an NFL season I'm like there is going to be an NFL game I guarantee there's going to be, be one. Gonna <laughs> be at least one. Yeah. I, well, Austin was saying something, and I said, "Careful!" Like yeah, he said something careful. very affirmative today, and I said, "Careful!" In big bold letters. <laughs> approximately, this is another question. Uh, approximately, how many large pieces of meat have you smoked this summer? <laughs> so I actually had a twenty-pound. Uh, uh, round and so like I chopped it up into five pound pieces so I think that counts as four it does um, and then I did a brisket so that's five um, yeah so I would say you know just under 10 all told wow very nice what's your favorite brisket what's my favorite yeah my it... favorite meat yeah to smoke. Uh, I th- I, yeah I mean it's got to be it's got to be the ribs it's got to okay. be the ribs yeah that's fair um a couple more here. These are sort of these were some that were not in the comments. Um, <laughs> at Landry Juice, uh, did you write about separation because that's what everyone is always trying to get when then when they're around you? Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who that's that solid was. burn, man. Solid burn. <laughs> um, what's uh, what do you prefer more, averaging or binning? Good question. Good question. I don't know. Like, I think probably Benning. Mm. Benning, Benning takes the cake, but, uh, you know, averaging is right up there too. And then together it's like, you know, the perfect pie. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> had, to, had to bring it back to pie. Uh, this has been, yep. um, 
a, a wonderful time, Josh. I appreciate you for, for hanging out with us. What can we look forward to? Um, any projects you're working on um, coming, coming down the pike, either with 538 or anywhere else, beers, otherwise? Yeah, obviously, I'm excited about my new brewery, but uh, the in terms of projects, I'm, I'm, it's a little up in the air right now. Uh, apparently, NFL is a little angry with me, mm. and uh, so I I don't know. I mean, I may not I may not have access to data anymore. If you can believe that, so we'll we'll see we'll see what happens in terms of projects. But I'll, I'll still be writing at 538, and you know, maybe not something as novel as what uh, what I've just done, uh, but uh, it was. If, if this is the end, it was fun while it lasted. No comment. Stu- stuffiness. No comment. Stuffiness served cold, I guess. I will okay. plead the fifth. Well, I enjoyed it while it lasted, and maybe yeah, we'll- I thought I thought it was a great article. It's always there's only a there's there's you know a handful of people that I always have to read theirs right when it comes out, and you're one of those, Josh. I appreciate you saying that. I really do. Uh, you guys are top notch. The very best. Um, your team is uh, just incredible. So um, I think I linked to you guys more than anyone, and it's well-deserved. Ah, I appreciate that. In a return of the favor, I'd like to welcome you to my – or extend an invitation. When the NFL season goes down, because you know everyone's rooting against it, um, I'm starting a food and drink podcast. And uh, I've already invited Robert Mays. He's graciously accepted, and uh, I'd like to invite you onto that as well. So you're welcome. Oh. Would love to come, especially. Uh, I can't wait to watch Maze. That guy is an Epicurean. He really likes his food, so uh, yes, he'll be a good. He'll be a good guest. I mean, look, it's. Uh, I think it's something we need to make happen, regardless of uh, whether the NFL season happens, which it will. We have faith, Josh Hermsmeyer. We appreciate it, Thanks, buddy. I'm not sure there's someone uh, that I enjoyed talking to more on the podcast than uh, than Josh. He's no, awesome. He's great. Um, just a. a one one of the things I really like about him is that he is he's so empirical, right? There's almost no he he knows the game of football well enough to know what the null hypotheses are. But I've always struck him, even before we became friends, as somebody who is who who lets empiricism drive him, and to a point where, and again, we had this draft a couple months ago, <laughs> but he like took a very like data-driven approach to drafting Jabril Peppers. And all of us think, you know, our null hypothesis is that Jabril Peppers is like, man, he's just a player. And, like, I I think there's probably some reasoning behind Josh's move there. And he didn't care at all what we would think about him. And, you know, I kind of like that, even if it's something where, you know, Peppers might suck. I think think Josh is probably properly weighing the base rate of safety sucking in the NFL, which is high. Uh, we didn't even talk about the, the peppers. Thing, no, is, he he didn't look like he would. I didn't want to talk about it either. Yeah. I want to talk about uh, new stuff. So um, big thanks to to Josh and honestly every other guest um, that's come on over the past few months. We had Chris on earlier this week. So if you didn't listen to that, definitely go check it out. Um, if you are sitting here like us, patiently waiting for uh, for football to start, we got some. I've got some good stuff for you. I mentioned at the top of the show the college football products coming out, but we also have a draft guide that is uh, only a few days away and it's awesome and uh yeah so a lot of good things so stay tuned and uh, we'll be back with you next week thanks guys